Well, you all know this is the story that's given Thomas the nickname of Doubting. Doubting Thomas. Poor man, he never seems to get beyond that. But I think he's just a realist. He doesn't want wishful thinking or self-delusion, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. And he gets them, doesn't he? Show me. Show me your hands and your sides so I will know that you were really dead. So I'll know this isn't a hoax. Show me you were dead. And then I'll know that you are the one who walked out of that tomb and into this room. Thomas is very clear that only when he can put his fingers in the marks of the nails and put his hand in Jesus' side will he indeed believe this outlandish tale of resurrection. And Jesus says, fine, touch them. Go ahead. Put your fingers there. Put your hand here. Touch my wounds. That the wounds are still there is part of the story that has really puzzled me over the years. I mean, this is a man who's broken through the bonds of death. He's come back from the dead. Why should the wounds of his crucifixion still be there on his hands? You know, Jesus healed all kinds of people. Why should he not be healed? Those wounds are marks of the most shameful death that his society could inflict on someone. It was reserved for slaves, traitors, men of violence. If you had a choice, why would you want to carry its marks? Yet here's Jesus holding out his nail-scarred hands. Peace, he says. Peace. And not only are the wounds still there, but somehow their very presence seems to be the point which is so important to the disciples and to Jesus. You notice how John put it. He showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. The wounds are so terribly human. Never in his glory will Jesus experience anything like that. They're tangible evidence of his life among us. And they connect him to us in a very deep and palpable way. It is a savior with nail-scarred hands who reaches out to us, the wounded and the wounding. We put our fingers in the holes and touch our own wounded, wounding selves. Who can get through human life without wounding? Not Jesus, not us. And each of us bears wounds, and let's be real, each one of us inflicts wounds. Parent to child, lover to lover, friend to friend, church member to church member, nation to nation, enemy to enemy, we live with the pain of our wounding. And for some people, that's a very obvious thing. Years ago, I had a friend who dove into a swimming pool the wrong way, and as a result, could only move one little muscle up here. Or perhaps it's a disease that eats away at energy and life. Or an addiction that numbs. For all of us, it is the wounds that blight the spirit and cripple the psyche. Could be a death that brings so sharp a grief that life is forever afterwards shadowed. Abuse, neglect, 
discrimination or bigotry, lost opportunity, failed dreams, loneliness, isolation, misunderstanding, fear. The list goes on, and you probably know which of yours I've left out. We can ignore the wounds and strive to run rise above them, numb ourselves to their pain, seek release in busyness, in addiction, in denial. That's one way. But the wounds persist, and they bleed again when we least expect them. D.H. Lawrence writes, I'm not a mechanism, an assembly of various sections, and it is not because the mechanism is working wrongly that I'm ill. I am ill because of wounds to the soul, to the deep emotional self, and the wounds to the soul take a long, long time. And only time can help, and patience, and a certain difficult repentance. A certain difficult repentance. You know, the healing begins with accepting the fact that we need it. And instead of running away from our wounds the way those disciples ran away from the cross, like Thomas, we can reach out and touch them. But that's not an easy step to take. You know, we don't like to admit to our own brokenness, or certainly we don't like to admit that we've inflicted hurt on someone else. We're tough, we can get through this. Except we can't. Heard on the radio the other day that Prince Harry has recently begun to share his own struggle after the death of his mother, and the way in which he just clamped down on all his emotions. But he is, after all, one of the royal family where the British stiff upper lip is the way you go. But he knew that his wounds were damaging his life, and he needed to do something about it. So he and his brother and sister-in-law, Kate and William, they've just announced a drive for mental health awareness, hoping that their own struggle will begin to help some other people. It's very much in line with the Christian idea of repentance and confession. Because the reality of confession is that we name not only to God, but probably almost more importantly to ourselves. God already knows. But we name to ourselves the places where we need to be healed. And so we touch our wounds. And we acknowledge them. We know that they're part of us. And then we hold them out to Christ to be transformed. Then we don't have to run away anymore. Be grounded in your humanness. And honesty will replace denial. But the hard side of confession is also acknowledging where we've hurt someone else. And sometimes that's intentional. I'll get you for that. Other times it's just our own hurt and our own anger lashing out. Wherever it came from, we've wounded someone else. And when the disciples saw Jesus' hands... Did they think of their own cowardice, their own lack of courage that stopped them from standing at the foot of that cross, stopped them from keeping watch with a friend who so desperately needed it? Who have you wounded? And do you have the courage to name that to them? 
Every day for nearly 2,000 years, Jesus must look at his wounded hands. How can he forget us? How can he ever escape from the world which taught him how to suffer? He's forever connected to us, to our pain, to our wounded, wounding selves. Look at your own wounds, and you'll find the tie that binds you to others. No longer alone, you begin to find yourself one with others in that human struggle. Loneliness and isolation begin to dissolve, and community begins. Peace, says Jesus. Peace is the gift that comes from tending our wounds and the wounds of others. The story is told that at the end of his life, after years of living and serving among the poor, St. Francis of Assisi received the stigmata. Quite literally, the wounds of Christ appeared in his own body. And he saw it as a great honor, binding him more closely to his Lord. Never for one minute could he forget whose he was. And as he stretched out his hand to those in need, they were the hands of Christ, reaching out to a broken and needy world. The Oxford Dictionary of the Christian Church says that there are 330 known cases of stigmatization. Since St. Francis was simply the first, it kind of feels medieval to me. Not an honor I seek, but I understand the truth of it. We can resent our wounds as burdens that we have to drag around with us, or we can let them be transformed into a gift a gift that draws us closer to our Lord and a gift that he can use for healing, our own healing and the healing of others. That's the gift of new life. I won't believe it until I see it and touch it for myself, says Thomas. And Jesus says, sure, do it. You do it. And you will find peace. Thanks be to God. Amen.